Talk Raw. My name is Nikki Marie Dawn, and I'm with my co-host, the lovely Terry Ellen. This show is about our lived experiences being transgender women, the experiences of others, resource information, the current issues we face, along with a host of special guests sharing their knowledge and skill sets with our community. Do you have a story or information to share with the community? Like to be on our show? Get in touch at transtalkraw.com. Like to live chat? It's available on iHeartRadio right now. And now, let's get started with today's show. I'm running solo this evening. Terry Ellen is resting after a very busy week, driving up to Birmingham, Alabama, to fight with the community against Bill HB 303. It's uh, been passed through this committee, and it's now going to be voted on through the legislature. That's uh, a real big hit. But anyway, so we wish her well. And we will see her tomorrow evening when we will be doing another episode in regards to dysphoria and going through numerous things that you can do that will help you at least try to control some of the dysphoric beast that we all go through. So stay tuned for that one tomorrow. And I'm going to get started with tonight's show. Uh, tonight's show is going to be on what to expect from hormones, physical and mental changes. Um, the risks, long-term considerations, the medications themselves um, that are associated with male-to-female transition. So many people are eager for hormone changes to take place rapidly. I understand that. I was like that too. I was hoping like it would be instant gratification and, you know, you could have boobs in like 20 minutes. That's the way I always wanted it. But we all know that we have to be realistic about it. And it is a long-term process. Like we say, transition, is, uh, it takes a lot of patience and uh, things to develop and they have to come around. So, you know, it's very important to remember the, the extent of and rate at which change take place depends on many factors. You know, the factors include your genetics, the age at which you start taking hormones and your overall state of health. You know, considering the effects of hormone therapy as a second puberty, and puberty normally takes years for the full effects to be seen. You know, so when we talk about that, you can look at it that where full transition can take up to five, six years after GRS, and even three years after GRS, your body is still making significant changes. So you have to be aware of that. You know, taking higher doses of hormones will not necessarily bring about faster changes, but it could endanger your life. So you have to be very, very careful when you are doing these types of drugs and always make sure. I know there's lots of individuals out there that like to do the naturals and that's fine, but always try to remember once you can see a doctor and have those hormones monitored, you're going to have better results and you won't have to worry about potential other issues that may come down the road from doing the naturals. But I totally understand why a lot of people do it. You know, and because everybody is different, your medications and that or dosages may vary widely for those of your friends or other individuals that you talk to online. So do pay attention that when you are in public groups and that sort of thing, if somebody is talking about their dosages, don't pay much attention to it because again, everybody is different and it's based purely on blood tests. That's what counts. So there's four areas where you can expect changes to occur as your hormone therapy progresses. 
So we're going to start off with the physical changes. The first is, you know, completely uh, physical. The, um, you'll probably notice that your skin will become a bit drier and thinner. Your pores will become smaller and there will be less oil production. You may become more prone to bruising or cuts. And in the first few weeks, you'll notice that the odors of your sweat and urine will change. Something that I really noticed in myself. It's also likely that you'll sweat less, and that is also very, very true. When you touch things, they may feel different, uh, and you may perceive pain and temperature differently. I know I have. Boy, I can freeze to death now when it gets cold up in the northern climates of Canada. You know, probably within a few weeks, you'll begin to develop small buds, you know, beneath your nipples. Um, so that's going to start. Those are breast buds. You know, these may be slightly painful, especially to touch, and the right and left side may be uneven uh, as it grows. And I always found, too, that it gets very itchy as well. You know, this is a normal course of breast development, and whatever pain you experience will diminish, diminish significantly over the course of several months. It's important to note that breast development varies from person to person, you know, not everyone develops at the same rate, and most transgender women, even after many years of hormone therapy, can only expect to develop an A cup or perhaps a small B cup. Like all other women, the breasts of transgender women will vary in size and shape and will sometimes be uneven with each other. Um, mine are definitely like that, even after I've had my breast augmentation. Um, one breast is definitely a little bit bigger and you know what I'm actually really happy about that because it looks so much more natural it's not that everything is absolutely perfect and I, and I appreciate that you know fat will begin to, to collect around your hips and thighs a little bit it's not going to be significant but over a period of time you will start to get fat distribution in that regard it also depends on what your body makeup is too if you're like a gazelle like me you're not going to get that much movement because there's not really much to move around that's where if maybe you're a little bit more heavy set you'll probably see some of that development uh, um, in your body changes when you do do hormones your muscles in your arms and legs will become less defined and you'll have a smoother appearance as the fat just below your skin becomes a bit thicker. Hormones will not have a significant effect on the fat in your abdomen, also known as your gut. And boy, do I know that. I always seem to be carrying a little bit extra down there, uh, you know, having to exercise a little bit more, which is a little bit more difficult when you are on hormones. So hormones will not have a significant, uh, you know, will have a significant effect on muscle mass and strength. And, you know, those will decrease quite a bit. Um, to maintain uh, muscle tone and for your general health, you know, uh, I recommend exercise. I do a lot of power walking every morning, um, you know, and I, I really enjoy it. It gets me out there, gets me healthy, uh, you know, uh, so it's got a lot of benefits to it. Overall, you may gain or lose weight once you begin hormone therapy, depending on your diet, lifestyle, you know, genetics and muscle mass. Uh, your eyes and face will begin to develop a more female appearance as the fat under the skin increases and shifts. Because it can take two or more years for these changes to fully develop, you should wait at least that long before considering any kind of drastic facial feminization procedures, breast augmentation, etc. You know, the things that don't change is your bone structure. 
including your hips, your arms, hands, legs, and feet. However, some people have say, stated that they have lost the shoe size or two, and for a lot of trans women, they really hope that that'll occur. But those are, you know, uh, unique situations, so don't hope that that'll happen to you. You know, um, talking about hair, the hair on your body, including your chest, back, and arms, will de decrease in thickness and grow at a slower rate. You're still going to have to do your electrolysis um, and uh, laser, you know, on your face and that, and possibly on some of your body hair as well. You can't expect that it's going to completely diminish because of that. Um, remember that all women have some body hair and, you know, that is normal. So don't expect that, you know, you're going to be a sphinx cat, although I was. Never really had much hair at all. So some people are lucky that way, others not so much, you know. Your facial hair may thin a bit and grow a little bit slower, but it will rarely go away entirely without, you know, electrolysis and laser treatments. If you've had any scalp or spalding, hormone therapy should slow or stop it, but how much it will go back is unknown, and if anything will. So, you know, once that, uh, you know, pattern baldness starts to come in, there's not a whole lot that you can do about it in that regard, and hormones won't really change that significantly at all. Some people may notice minor changes in like shoe size or height, like I mentioned. Uh, you know, this is due to um, bony changes, but due to changes in the ligaments and muscles of your feet, not so much the bone itself. So another one that really is a big factor is emotional state changes. Uh, the second impact of hormone therapy is on your emotional state. Your overall emotional state may or may not change. This varies from person to person. You know, puberty is a roller coaster of emotions, and the second puberty that you will experience during your transition is no exception. You may find that you have an, uh, have access to a wider range of emotions or feelings, or have different interests, tastes, or pastimes, or behave differently in relationships with other people. While psychotherapy is not for everyone, most people would benefit from a course of supportive psychotherapy while in transition to help you explore these new thoughts and feelings and get to know your new body and self. I don't believe that you need a therapist because you're transgender. I want to make that very, very clear. I believe that psychotherapy or any type of therapy whatsoever is for all of the other situations that you may be involved with or have during your transition, or just wanting to maybe talk to somebody to get a different opinion about it. So, you know, it's something to think about. You know, the third impact of hormone therapy is, is sexual in nature. You know, uh, soon after beginning hormone treatment, you will notice a decrease in the number of erections you have. Uh, and when you do have one, you may lose the ability to penetrate because it won't be as firm or long, as last, you know, last as long. Um, you will, however, still have erotic sensations and be able to orgasm. Uh, you may find that you get erotic pleasure from different sex acts in different parts of your body. Um, your orgasms may uh, will feel, you know, more like uh, of a whole body experience and lasting longer, but with less peak intensity. So again, remember all of this is personal. It's very much individual orientated. There's no guarantee anything that I do mention uh, will actually happen, but you have to realize that these are potentials that uh, do affect some individuals. I know myself personally, 
uh, basically, I was still able to get an erection, but I was not able to orgasm, which was kind of interesting. That's where others have. So it's just something to be aware of. You know, you may experience ejaculation of a small amount of clear or white fluid or perhaps no fluid at all. Don't be afraid to explore uh, and experiment with your sexuality through masturbation and with sex toys such as dobos or vibrators. All of that is, you know, uh, enjoyable. Uh, so I do suggest, you know, if you want, explore and have a lot of fun with it. You know, if you are fortunate to be able to have a sexual partner, you know, definitely enjoy that. You know, through your testicles, uh, they will shrink to less than half of their original size. Most experts agree that that amount of uh, scrotal skin available for future genital surgery won't be affected that much. Um, by myself personally, I think, again, uh, in my own personal situation, I didn't get much shrinkage at all, so which was fortunate in that regard. So the fourth impact of hormone therapy is on the re reproductive system. Within a few months of beginning hormone therapy, you must assume that you will become permanently or irreversibly sterile. You know, so some people may maintain a sperm count on hormone therapy or have their sperm count return after stopping hormone therapy, but you must always assume that won't be the case for you. If there are, is, you know, if there's any chance you may want to parent a child from your own sperm, you should speak to the doctor about preserving uh, your sperm in a sperm bank. You know, this process generally takes about two to four weeks and costs roughly about two to three thousand dollars in the U.S. Uh, throughout other countries of the world, obviously, it's going to be a little bit different in cost, but it is something that to consider. Your sperm should be stored before beginning any type of hormone therapy whatsoever. All too often, transgender women decide later in life that they would like to be a parent and uh, have a child using their own sperm, but are unable to do so because they don't take the necessary steps to preserve sperm before beginning hormone treatment. So if you are considering it, please make sure that you do go to a sperm bank and you get some of that put away just in case. Also, if you're on hormones, but remaining sexually active uh, with a woman who is able to become pregnant, you should always continue to use birth control methods to prevent unwanted pregnancy because it can still happen. Many of the effects of hormone therapy are irreversible. If you stop taking them, realize that that's the case. The degree to which they can be reversed depends on how long you have been taking them. Breast growth and possibly sterility are not reversible at all. If you have an orchiotomy, which is the removal of the testicles or genital, genital reassignment surgery, you will be able to take a lower dose of hormones, but should remain on hormones until you're at least 50 to prevent weakening of the bones, otherwise known as osteoporosis. So when we talk about uh, you know, the sex reassignment surgery and needing lower doses of hormones, um, there's not a whole lot of research out on that right now. Um, you know, we talk about this on Trans Talk Raw with Terry is here, and we have discussed this, that where even both of us are finding our homeland levels are shifting all over the place or can shift all over the place. So, you know, uh, until we get more research uh, in regards to hormone therapy and how it affects transgender women, um, you know, it's still a bit of a crapshoot. We're still not quite sure what's all going to happen. And us baby boomers that are, you know, starting to move forward into the health, you know, getting in the elderly age, we're the first ones that are actually getting into the, the, the system of, you know, being elderly and, you know, 
going through that. So we're hoping that there'll be more research on that. Um, so then, you know, estrogen is the hormone responsible for most female characteristics. It causes the physical changes of transition and may uh, many of the emotional changes too. So, you know, and I have found that a lot. I've, uh, my emotional uh, levels have gone all over the place. And again, it's very much uh, a genetic thing or unique to each individual. So don't expect that, you know, you're going to have a lot of changes. Uh, for myself personally, I went through quite a few changes. You know, so estrogen may be given as a pill or by injection or by a number of skin preparations, such as a cream, a gel, spray, or a patch. Pills are convenient, cheap, and effective but are less safe if you smoke or are older than 35 uh, because they are processed through the liver. Uh, I myself am on estrogel. I've been very happy with it and uh, my changes have been very good with that. Um, I never did do injections because I'm terrified of needles. And uh, because of my drug use that was way back in the past when I was in my 20s, um, I was always fearful of doing injections for that regard as well. So, you know, there are different ways to be able to do it. Patches can be very effective and safe, but they need to be worn at all times. And I've talked to quite a few girls that have been on the patches. And probably the biggest factor is, is that you have to keep moving the patches around. Um, they can tear a bit of the skin. They are uncomfortable and that. Um, so, you know, the gels, for example, are very consistent. You have the gels every day. Um, so you don't get the crashes like you do with injections because obviously injections you are going for a period of time. You have your injection, you get your kind of high in regards to that. And then over the process of time, you know, you come down and it's a bit of a crash and then you go back up again. So myself personally, I wanted to go with the gels for a couple of reasons. One, it was consistent. I didn't go through the crashes. And of course, because of my age, I wanted to go with the gels because it was a safer uh, way for me to be able to do it. You know, uh, many trans women are interested in estrogen through injection. Uh, estrogen injections tend to cause very high and fluctuating estrogen levels, which can cause the mood swings, weight gains, hot flushes, anxiety, or migraines. You know, additionally, little is known about the effects of these high levels over the long term. Again, like I said, you know, I, I mentioned there's not a lot of research out there about us girls. Um, you know, they've only been collecting data maybe for 10 years, if that. And, you know, so we're still waiting to hear, you know, the studies start to come out and uh, the research to, to, to see exactly what's going on. You know, so if injections are used, it should be at a low dose and with an understanding that there may be uncomfortable side effects um, and that, you know, switching off of injections to other forms may cause mood swings or hot flashes. So just so you're aware of that. So, you know, and contrary to what, you know, many may have heard, you can achieve the maximum effect of your transition with relatively small doses of estrogen. You know, taking high doses does not necessarily make changes happen quicker. It could, however, endanger your health. And after you've had genital or the orchiotomy, removal of the testicles, your estrogen doses uh, could be potentially lowered. But like I mentioned before, I think the research is not there yet in order to be able to prove that. Uh, for some individuals it has, uh, for others it hasn't. I know my dosages have actually been in the reverse. And I know that Terry's has also been in the reverse for that. So again, the research is not totally on that, but that's the general uh, thought process that your estrogen will uh, be lowered once you do have GRS surgery or an orchiotomy.
Without your testicles, you need less estrogen to maintain your female, your feminine characteristics and overall health. Um, you know, to monitor your health while on estrogen, your doctor will periodically check your liver functions and cholesterol and screen for, you know, diabetes and that too. So that's again, why, you know, it's important that if you are on naturals, you can't get to start doing, you know, hormone therapy and be monitored by a doctor because it's just so much more safer. So let's move on to testosterone blockers. There are a number of medicines that can block testosterone and they uh, fall in two categories. Those are uh, that those that block the action of testosterone in your body and those that prevent the production of. So most testosterone blockers are very safe, but they can have side effects. Um, you know, the blocker most commonly used is spirolactone, and that can cause you to urinate excessively and feel dizzy or lightheaded, especially when you first start to take start taking it. Um, I noticed with you no know, with myself, I was on spirolactone and on a very low dosage, about just 100 milligrams, but it uh, really did cause me uh, stomach issues and that, um, and some bloating and that kind of thing too. Um, but I found that you really need to make sure that you take it with food. That's usually the best way to do it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's important to, uh, you know, drink plenty of fluids, uh, you know, with the medication because it will dehydrate you. Um, you know, because spirolactone can be dangerous for people with kidney problems. And it's because it interacts with some blood pressure medicines. It's essentially share with your doctor your full medical history and the names of all of the medications that you're taking because it, you can have different effects. And then at least then they can, uh, you know, put you on something potentially different. Um, a rare but potentially dangerous side effect of spirolactone is a large increase in the production of potassium, which could cause your heart to stop. So while on this medication, you should have your potassium levels checked periodically, something else that you can uh, mention to your doctor. You know, uh, there are other uh, drugs out there for, uh, you know, production or the uh, stoppage of testosterone, and that's, uh, you know, uh, for uh, stride and uh, deutricide uh, are medicines which prevent the production uh, of uh, certain testosterone and uh, specific form of testosterone that has action on the skin, hair, and the prostate. I do apologize if I didn't pronounce those correctly. I uh, always am like that with <laughs> any types of weird kind of drugs and stuff, so bear with me on those. You know, these medicines are weaker testosterone blockers than spirolactone, but have a few side effects that are useful for those who cannot tolerate the spirolactone. So it's something to be aware of that there are options if the spiral is giving you, you know, um, some problems. It is unclear if there is, is any added benefit to taking one of these medicines at the same time as spirolactone. Again, we don't have the research out there. So um, lastly, let's talk about progestogen. Progestogen is a source of constant debate among both trans women and their providers. You know, uh, though it's commonly believed to have a number of benefits, including improved mood, mood and libido, enhanced energy, and better breast development and body fat redistribution, there is very little scientific evidence to support these claims. Now, it's something that Terry and I have talked about quite a few times, and there's a lot of uh, other girls that we've talked to on that too. Um, I find that it does help my mood and my libido. Uh, it does give me a little bit more of enhanced energy. Um, you know, breast development, not so much. I did take progestogen 
uh, at the 18-month point of me being on uh, estrogen and that, and I took progesterone in the hopes that I would get more breast development, and that didn't work for about five months. And that's when I decided that I would go ahead and get my breast augmentation because I wasn't getting any more natural development in that regard. Um, so, you know, nevertheless, sometimes when say the experience, uh, or, you know, or all of these benefits for progesterone do actually happen. So again, like I said, it has been proactive for me. Progesterone may be taken as a pill or it can be applied as a cream. So now that we're through that, let's take a look at some of the risks. So the risk of these things like blood clots, uh, strokes, and cancer are minimal, but may be elevated depending on your genetics and the situations that you might uh, be facing at this time. So always make sure that you disclose everything to your doctor so that you can make sure that everything is covered and he knows what's going on or she knows what's going on and uh, you can have a safe transition. You know, there's not much scientific evidence regarding the risks of cancers in transgender women. Again, not enough study done. We, you know, a lot of people believe that risk of prostate cancer will go down, but we can't be sure of that. So you should follow standard testing guidelines for someone your age. Uh, you know, mention that to your doctor. But most, I think, most individuals are still getting. You know, as a transgender woman, even after you have GRS, you should have prostate exams just to make sure that everything's okay. Your risk of breast cancer may increase slightly, but you still be uh, less of a risk than a non-transgender female. When you've been on hormones for at least two to three years, you know it's recommended you begin breast cancer screenings depending on your age and risk factors after discussing it with your doctor. Since there is not a lot of research on the use of estrogen in trans women, there may be other risks that we, you know, none of us are aware of. Uh, especially for those who have used estrogen for many years. Uh, the research, again, is not there. So, you know, we're kind of, you know, uh, out there and we're the big, almost mice in a way when we take a look at all of this because the research, like I said, isn't there. So in conclusion, please be patient and remember that all of the changes associated with uh, puberty that you're going to experience can take years to develop. So... I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. I know Terry wasn't with us, so I did want to do a show anyway, um, just to try to bring up, bring you guys up to speed in regards to the drugs that you will be taking when you are transitioning from male to female. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it, and we look forward to seeing, uh, having you uh, listen to our next podcast, which will be done tomorrow. And uh, tomorrow's podcast will be on dysphoria, like I had mentioned at the beginning of the episode. So everybody have yourself a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Trans Talk Raw. This episode has been brought to you by transgenderlifecoaching.com. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Time for us girls to party. Join us again for our next episode of Trans Talk Raw. Mm-hmm.